0: Hey, welcome to Bridgewater. We are so glad you're here. Uh, My name is Matt. If you don't know me, I have the joy of being the campus pastor here. And before we get started this morning, I have a special announcement I wanted to uh, bring before you. If you are unfamiliar with how Bridgewater works, we are one church that meets in many locations. And so there are five uh, physical locations that meet every Sunday that look uh, pretty much just like this one. Uh, And we have one online uh, campus as well. And one of the really cool things about being a part of this ministry is we get to celebrate when each other wins, just like uh, we do with these carnations back here every week, celebrating what God is doing in our community. But it also means we get to help each other. In times of need. And so, uh, post COVID return uh, saw a lot of different things in a lot of different churches, and kind of national average was somewhere around 30 40% post COVID return. Um, But God has seen fit to kind of work a miracle in our Tonkanic location, uh, and they were over 100% returned uh, post COVID when they came back. As of uh, January 2021, they have grown by 54% um, and they are sitting in about 120% capacity in that building. Um, So as a little way of uh, remembrance, where are my Legionnaires in, in the building? Who was here back in the Legion days? Come on. You attended Hall said Legion. All right, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're literally talking about the Legion right down the road, uh, where it had an L-shaped auditorium that probably comfortably fit about 30, and we fit a ridiculous amount of people in that building. Um, we were sometimes graced with the smoke of cigarettes up underneath the door. And occasionally, they would cook bacon and pancakes and not give us any, but put it in our auditorium. Uh, we love it. We, we, we were there. That was all in. And because of the generosity of uh, the, the Bridgewater churches that we're a part of, they were able to purchase and build this building for us. And so you get comfy chairs, and you don't have to smell bacon. I'm sorry. We can cook you some bacon if you miss it. Um, but, but here's the deal, Tonkanic is in the same spot. If you've ever been to their building, um, the auditorium is tiny, and they have been pushed to max capacity uh, for far too long. Uh, they're going to be starting a third service in September to try to offset some of that, but any of us who have ever run three services know that does not work well for a very long extended period of time. Uh, and so the overseers are uh, recommending that we purchase a facility for the Tunkhandic campus. Um, And that requires the congregation to vote and approve that we would receive funding for that. And so we're asking for uh, recommendation or permission through a vote, which will happen in a couple weeks here, to ask for up to $850,000 to uh, purchase and renovate a facility. We already have one lined up. If you're interested, uh, back at the Welcome Center, there is uh, a document with some more information on that. Uh, And so that vote will be coming up August 7th. But here's what we're praying for, and here's what I would ask you to begin to pray about. Um, We need to just logistically uh, secure funding so we can get this process started because it'll be a while by the time we renovate it and we don't want to stretch this out any longer but we are praying that God provides every dollar we need and that when they go to give us that banknote, we just say, you know what, we're good, we don't need it, God provided all of it. That's what we're praying for, um, that we could could do this that way. We believe God could do that through uh, some vision giving, uh, but this is kind of just a process we have to follow. So um, we have been great benefits of it, and I think we have an awesome opportunity to give back to uh, the ministry and be a part of that. So just wanted to put that in front of you today. Uh, That vote will be coming August 7th for uh, members. As we jump into our sermon today, we're going to be talking about this Be the Church Sunday event that we've been talking a lot about. And we're looking at really one of our core values here, which is save people All right. so we talk about this all the time, we give you opportunities as often as we can for you to serve and exercise the gifts that God has given you, and so as we uh, jump into this we're going to be talking kind of specifically about the event, but I want to look at a passage of scripture together where Jesus is answering a question from his disciples, and the question really is, how do you become great? What does it take to be uh, great? And so I want to ask the question, how do you become the GOAT? Uh, For those of you who follow sports, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't follow sports, you're wondering why in the world do I want to look like this farm animal up here, and no, I don't mean that goat, it is a term G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. If you listen to any sports radio, any sports talk show, that's the question everybody's asking. Who's the GOAT of this? Who's the greatest of this? We're always trying to rank to kind of figure out where people land. So we're going to play a little game this morning because uh, why not? I want to hear from you. Who do you think is the greatest football player of all time? Here's what the sports people say. They say Tom Brady. Anybody agree? No boo. Okay, I was waiting for the boo. I was waiting for the boo like a true cowboy fan. (laughs) Jerry Rice, Lawrence Taylor, Jim Brown, Joe Montana. Anybody else want to throw their favorite player in there? Somebody said Terry Bradshaw, and I was like, you're, you're uh what's that? Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, all right, all right. <laughs> Doubling down on the Cowboys, I like it. All right, what about baseball? Baseball, we got Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, right? What's interesting about this is like the top, I think it's 15 or so, 20, somewhere in there, nobody from this century is even on that list. Like, it's all old timers that make that list. Yeah, here's one for me, basketball, who who is the GOAT, is it Jordan, is it LeBron, please boo, 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 thank you, thank you, is it Kareem, is it Wilt, Bill Russell, my personal favorite, my ride or die, Steph Curry, Uh, I'm a Warriors fan, I'm going to take him all the way, he's the only guy, his height, doing things he's doing, I'm just saying, he's got my vote, all right. Uh, For those of you who don't like sports, what's the greatest uh, movie of all time? IMBD actually rates these three as the top three movies of all time, Shawshank Redemption, The Godfather, and The Dark Knight. Um, actually, The Godfather Part II makes it into the top five uh, on their list as well. So that's pretty impressive uh, for whatever it is. But, you know, that's, that's out there. I wanted to do a little Bridgewater, Bridgewater goat. So um, I made some categories up off the top of my head. And the first category is the greatest hair of all time. We got Fabio. Or we got... Lead Pastor Josh Jones. (laughs) And we had a nominee this morning, John Lee. (laughs) I won't say who gets my vote. All right. For those of you who can't grow hair, I didn't want you to feel left out, so we had the greatest ball guy of all time Mr. Clean, Vin Diesel, your very own Luke Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody watch the Lord of the Rings franchise, those movies? All right, a few of you. You, Most of you know what they are. All right, greatest Lord of the Rings character of all time. Samwise Gamgee, David Wyman. (laughs) I might be partial to one of those, all right? All right, last one, last one. Greatest Jonas brother of all times. Joe Jonas, Nick Jonas, yours truly. All right, get that off the screen quickly, please. How do you become great, right? We live in a world that talks about this all the time, but the truth is most of us are never going to attain to Michael Jordan status or nothing that the world would consider greatness, but here's, here's the thing. What we're about to read in Mark chapter 10 is that Jesus lays the pathway for greatness in an area that far exceeds sports. It far exceeds good hair. It far exceeds any of those things. It has the opportunity for any one of us, regardless of where we are, regardless of where we have come from, to reach greatness. If you have your Bibles, go and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. What's happening here in Mark chapter 10 is often as Jesus was walking and traveling, he was having conversations with his disciples, and here he's going to begin to tell them about what's coming in the days ahead. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we would love to put one in your hands for free back at the Welcome Center on your way out. John chapter 10, verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. And he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise." Jesus here is telling his disciples, he's predicting his own death. He is, Jesus is the Son of Man. He's referring to himself kind of in the third person here. But the Son of Man is this title that they would have known from Old Testament prophecies, which signified the coming Messiah, the promised one, who is coming to save and rescue them. And so he says the Son of Man is going to go and be beaten, be crucified, be mocked, and, and ultimately die. He's saying to his friends, my day is coming but I will rise again. Can you imagine that moment? These guys have banked everything on Jesus. They have left their income. They have left their families. They have left really social status to follow and pursue because they are convinced he's the guy. And then he says, I'm going to go die and be mocked and And That doesn't seem like something you want to hear. I, I can imagine grief or sorrow or sadness or frustration being the emotion, but it's not the response the disciples have. They have an incredibly different response. I want you to look at this with me, verse 35. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Like, what? Just said he was going to go die, and you're like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Good flex, Jesus. Uh, Can you do me a favor? You're like, What is going on with these guys? And here's how you know that Jesus is far more loving than any of us by how he responds to them, verse 36. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. I'd have been like, bro, did you hear what I just said? Like, do I need to repeat myself? Jesus says, no, okay, what can I do for you? Verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, this isn't really a bad request if you think about it. On the surface level, it looks like they're asking to be near to God's seat, to be near to Jesus in heaven, that when they go to heaven, they want to be near him. That's not a bad request. We should all desire that in our heart. We should all desire to be close to God. That should be something we aspire to and, and ask God to pull us in closer to him. That should be a request of our hearts, but, but below the surface, you see that they're after something that's different. They don't want to necessarily be near to Jesus. They want to be near to glory. What's happening here is the disciples, surrounded by all the other disciples, these two are saying, how do we get glory? How do we get recognized as being near to you? How do we uh, stand out from among our friends as like those guys? Like, oh yeah, those people. They're really asking the question of Approval. And it's not just them that all the other disciples are guilty of this. They ask this question a couple times throughout uh, the Gospels. They're really asking the question, how do we get approved? How do we get a pat on the back? How do we get applauded? And is that, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, not a question we can be tempted to ask? How do I get recognized for the things I do? How do people see what I've done? How do I get the approval of my boss or whoever it might be? What glory is it that we're chasing. See, they were coming to Jesus not because he was something. They were coming to Jesus because they wanted to get something. And those motivations are far different. Jesus keeps interacting with them on this. He says in verse 38, you do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. What's he talking about? He's referring to what he said in verses 33 and 34. He says, you don't understand that I'm about to go uh, drink the cup of wrath from the Father and I'm going to be uh, be killed on the cross and be buried uh, and take sin with it and defeat sin and be raised again. He's talking about the baptism, that death, which is what we celebrate here when when we are called to go public with our faith through baptism, is that we have been buried in the baptism with Christ and raised to newness and life. He says, you don't understand the road I'm about to walk. So if you Want to follow me, realize what this means, and they, they don't get it, and they just so quickly reply, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. He's predicting their futures because James is going to go on to be a martyr for the faith and John is going to go on to be beaten and imprisoned multiple times for his faith. And he says, okay, you don't get this now. You're zealous now. I can appreciate that. You'll come to understand what this following me really means in the time to come. And then he says something really interesting in verse 40. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, I don't even get to pick who's at my right and my left. The father decides that they are prepared for people. And so uh, what that tells me is there's still a shot. There's still a chance. The seats might be open. I don't know who it is, but he's going to lay out for them through this section we just read and the section we're going to read later the marks that may cause us to get there. What does it look like to be great in the kingdom of God? What does it look like to be great in in God's eyes? Well, here's the first thing that we saw from what Jesus had just said, and it's this, that the greatest sacrifice for others. Jesus is modeling this in himself. He says, if you want to sit near me, what that looks like, it's following me, and following me looks like being baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, meaning it means being a sacrifice for the good of others. Now, all of these greatest athletes that we put up there, they teach us a lot about sacrifice. If you ever watch any documentaries on Jordan or Kobe or any of those guys, like, they are crazy. The amount of sleep they sacrifice, the amount of social life they sacrifice, just incredible amount of sacrifice to be the greatest. But here's the thing about all of their sacrifice. It's all self-motivated. And it's all for self-glory. It's that they could be great. What Jesus is saying is that greatness doesn't look like sacrifice for yourself. Greatness in the kingdom of God looks like sacrificing for the good of others. Jesus modeled this himself by coming and sacrificing for us. Let's keep reading here. Verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They were mad, but really it was in their hearts too. Verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He, he says, listen, guys, you understand what power looks like. You understand how the world works. This word Gentile here just refers to those who were not in the Jewish faith. Um, I am not in the Jewish bloodline, so I fall into the Gentile. In their terms, what it meant was you understand how the world around you operates with power and influence. You have been a part of bosses and leaders and and whoever who has used their power and position and authority to leverage it over people. uh, Not to serve the people, but to serve themselves right? Leaders have been called to servant leadership in God's kingdom, but in the world's kingdom, it doesn't really work like that, Like, you use power, you use position to promote yourself, and he says, you've all been, you've all been there, you understand that. That's the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God operates differently, and that's what he says here in verse 43. He says, not so with you. Let's pause right there, a little interjection in our service. There is a way that is right to the world. There is a way that the world does things, and according to the world's standards, that that is fine. We, as believers, walk in a different standard. Not because we're better than, but we've been called to a different standard by God. And so right here, you get a prime example of, you see how the world operates, but not so with you. You are held to a different measure than those who don't know Jesus. He says this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, there it is. How do you be great? You must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Jesus takes power, position, and authority, and he turns it upside down on its head. He said, greatness in the world looks like climbing the ladder. Greatness in the world looks like position, power, and influence. Greatness in the kingdom of God looks like service. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like giving up of yourself. It looks like being obscure. It looks like being unknown. The second thing, the second piece of greatness that Jesus tells us to model is that the greatest serve others. if you want to be first, if you want to be great, it looks like being a servant of all. That's so backwards from everything that's naturally ingrained in us. But it's the call, it's the way of Jesus, and here's why. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man, being Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who had every right for all of us to serve him, said, no, 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 I will leave glory. I will leave the right seat of power. I will be born as a baby. I will serve and I will touch the leper to heal him. He didn't have to touch the leper he didn't have to put himself. He could have spoken to the leper and been healed, but he modeled for us that even the Savior of the world was getting or was willing to get low with the least of these to serve them and be near to them. He stood before his disciples and he said, unless I wash your feet, you're not getting in. And what he was saying was, unless I, you allow me to get low and serve you and do something lowly, and then he Went to the cross. And according to Philippians 2, it says he became obedient to the point of death upon a cross. The King of Kings left all of the things the world chases to come show us what greatness looked like. And it was humility, it was sacrifice for the good of others. What we see modeled in Jesus is the, the essential element to service and greatness, and it's humility. See, humility isn't just a part of service. It is the very heart of our service because it is the very heart of our Savior. Pride is one of the greatest inhibitors to serving because one of two things begin to happen. We can be think, oh, I've outpaced that need to serve in that area or I've done my duty in serving that area. I don't need to do that anymore. Or be serving and we begin to think, oh, man, if they knew how much I really did, they'd be really grateful for me. What is that? That's pride coming into the middle of service. And can I tell you that's not the way of our Lord, but how easy that pops up in our hearts. How easy we can begin to rationalize how awesome we are by our our service. And that is the way of the world. But not the way of Jesus. Jesus calls, calls us in humility to serve others. Paul is actually going to kind of wrap up this whole conversation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I love the way he puts it. You can turn there with me. If not, it'll be on the screen here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14. For Christ's love compels us would compel us. It draws us. It pulls us in. It is our driving motivation. He says, we believe so wholeheartedly in the love that Christ demonstrated at the cross that he went and paid for our sin, that he took that penalty. We are so moved by that because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, which means he took the death we deserved on himself. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again jesus didn't go to the cross pay for our sins so that we could uh, say high five thanks jesus for paying for my sin i'll see you in eternity he went to buy us back to remove us from the clutches of sin and we no longer live for ourselves we live for christ says, so the reason we do this, Paul is saying, is because we are so moved with gratitude for what Jesus did at the cross, which leaves us with the question out of this, these two texts this morning is, who does your life belong to? As you examine your life, is it one that is marked by following the ways of Jesus through service, through sacrifice, through love, through forgiveness? Who decides those things? Or is your life marked by a pursuit of glory, earthly glory, glory in this life, comforts, ease? Maybe you're here and you've never heard about the radical love of Jesus and how he wants to set you free from everything you've been running from your entire life and set you upon a firm foundation of love and peace. We would love to have a conversation with you about what that means. But for all of us in the, mor- the- here this morning, I think the question that hits us is, Who calls the shots in my life? Do I call them? Well, that will determine the trajectory of my life. Or does Jesus call them? And if Jesus calls them, that means a lot for how we live. Here's something that I think can be so easily missed. And as we kind of go through the routine of Christianity, we can easily fall into this trap. But here's the truth. We are not called to just believe in Jesus, but to follow Jesus. It is easy lip service to say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, but by and large, my life doesn't belong to him. The call of Jesus is not only does I confess with my, my mouth, but my life is a testimony to the fact that I belong to Jesus, that I follow his ways, that I serve with his heart, that I uh, love people in his way. It's not just something we do on Sunday. It's who we are called uh, to be. And so uh, we're going to, next week, Um, help model for all of us what that might look like. We are going to do an event that we've done uh, several times. Don't just go to church. Be the church Sunday. And here's what I don't want to be confused about this. Uh, This event is awesome. We love serving our community. We are so grateful uh, for the opportunity to to not meet uh, for worship, but to go out there. And part of it is this. What we would be saddened by is if you came here every week And thought the sum total of church was these four walls, four worship songs, and a guy who talks loudly into a face mic. It is a piece of church. It is not the total sum of church. We as believers living and following Jesus is the total sum of church. And so we're going to model that for you next week, create some space for all of us to go serve others. Um, and in part, we hope that it helps us um, put some practice in our life that when you're driving down the street and you see a need, you go, oh, I could meet that one. Not, mm, I wish the church would meet that one. Why? Because we are the church collectively. When you hear a need, you say, how can I meet that need? We hope this event helps model that for you. So some details on that. Um, If you've never been a part of one, we're going to all meet here next week at 9 a.m. If you don't have a shirt, uh, we would love to give you one on the way in. Don't worry about that. If you have one, be sure to bring it uh, with you. Max is wearing his already. He's ready to go for next week. I love it. Uh, why we wear these is so that we can write prison numbers on the back. So if we lose you in one of these things, we can, <laughs> 2319, 2319, where they go? All right, no, uh, we just want to be out there. And when people see these shirts, we want them to know those people love Jesus and they love us. And that's kind of uh, why we do that. So um, there will be a table in the back with a whole bunch of signups. We're putting some roofs on some dugouts. We're tearing out an outfield fence. We're going to be moving. There's some mowing. There's a whole ton of stuff. Uh, that we could uh, use your hands and help with. So, there will be a group leader over each uh, event. And so, if you sign up for one, the group leader will be contacting you with any tools that you may need to bring. Um, if you are not physically able to do any of those uh, jobs, that's no problem at all. We have some projects in here as far as labeling and some notes and stuff that you can write. Um, and you're in the AC. So, there you go. If you're in here, and I don't think you should be in here, you're going to follow me around to all the projects just because I think you were hiding in the AC. But anyway, we, have, we have jobs for everybody to do. And then we'll hope to head out here by 9.15. It should be about a couple hours. And then uh, you can be on your way for the day. Here's, here's why we do this, though. It is so easy to think of life in terms of acts of service. In this event, people say, well, can't we do this all year? Yes, we should be doing these things all year. This is just a moment in time where we're going to do it together, but what we don't want is just acts of service. The problem with acts of service is it's very easy to just check it off the box. Did that, did that, did that, and we can feel pretty good about acts of service. What we're called to in our pursuit of Jesus is a life of service. See, as Jesus followers, we're called to a life of service, not just acts of service. A life of service... Realizes that the love of Christ has compelled us. That we are so moved by the cross that I will never outserve my Savior. I will never outsacrifice my Savior. I don't even need to keep track because there's no point in trying to keep track because I'm not motivated by glory here on this world. I'm motivated by modeling my Savior and honoring Him with the life I live. That we would all collectively say this isn't an act of service, this is a life of service given over to Jesus. And through that, he can change the world. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and grateful for your pursuit of us, grateful for your sacrifice to save us, to redeem us, to buy us back. God, I pray for all of our hearts here this morning that you would protect us from the greatest inhibitor of being like you, and it would be pride. Let all of us in our hearts have a heart of humility, that we wouldn't look for anything other than your approval and your affirmation. God, I pray that as a church, I thank you for the the generous serving hearts of so many people here that we are reminded over and over again of, of how incredibly serving people are. And I pray that you would continue to put in all of our hearts the correct motivation why we do that. Lord, help us be a light in our community. Help us be people as a known who are willing to serve and do whatever it takes so that people know the love of God in their life. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.